Tell me something. You can go anywhere. Another timeline. Another universe. So why do you want to stay and fight to save this one? Because this is the world where my mom lives. That's it? Really? You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. What's going on, man? Flash fans, sons of illustrious father fans out there coming to uh, to vibe with us this week. It is your boy, Big Army Richard here. With, with me as always, or not always, but most of the time is Brian. And if you notice, if I'm leading off this, that means we're probably sans Kent this week. Kent is uh, in places unknown. Um, he's like the Undertaker; he does that every once in a while. Um, he's from parts unknown, but he's uh, he's out this week because, um, well, let's be just be honest about it. Um, Marvel paid us for him to not be on the episode, as they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, for their propaganda purposes. So mm-hmm. that's working out great. And I just bought, I don't know if I told you, Brian, I got my 11th jet ski. Ah, awesome. Cause it's like 10 is like a lot of guys have 10, right? Right. Clean number, but, uh, 11s, yeah. you know, that's where the real ballers live. Me and Put you the true, the true, like 1%. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know, dude. That, that, that feels like some real poor, you know, that feels like some real poor material right there. Call me back when you have a baker's dozen jet skis. Yeah, That's oh, kinda, okay. yeah. Crap. All right. I always thought it'd be a move. I used to live, uh, I don't think Shane ever came. Oh, by the way, Shane's with us too, Batman Shane, as he is with all DC movies as well. Hey, what's, uh, going, what's on, going on, guys? buddy? That's what we would use lots of money for, by the way. If, oh, if, yeah. If you're curious about uh, how would we spend our money, um, it, would be a, it would be a lot of. A lot of like real charity, like stuff mm-hmm. for good. Um, a lot of uh, like, uh, oh, this person has terrible hospital bills because we live in a hellscape. Cool, I've I've got you. I covered yeah. it. Like, we're but good. then most of it messing yeah. with our friends, and, and then a people. lot of like really petty pranks mm-hmm. that don't really serve a whole lot of purpose other than we are just laughing. So yeah. hard and just into a very expensive like, liquor. I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I invite Shane over for din- out for drinks, and I just kind of and he knows I've, I've I'm worth six hundred million dollars, <laughs> and I just look at him after like the second old fashioned. I'm like, hey, um, I'll pay you seven million dollars to divorce Angela, <laughs> and you can't tell her why, and just watch him be like, oh my god, I love my wife, but just you know, obviously we all have a number. Seven million dollars right? would fund my Flash movie. <laughs> I, I mean. <laughs> But yeah, that kind of stuff would be great. Just you know, offering friends. Adam, you could do the Larry David thing of opening up spite shops. Yes. Yes. next yeah. to the places that you hate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anywho, Shane came on the show for the first time. Was it BVS? Oh man, it, I mean, it might have been. It, it, yeah, bat, it was either like the '89 Batman or it was Batman versus Superman. Okay. I don't even remember, but it could have been. Yeah, because the the the. Brian, as the historian of the show, can tell you, mm. were we doing this for Man of Steel? Yes. Okay, good. Because I saw Man of Steel was 2013. I okay. Think. Yeah. Because I saw Man of Steel in the theater, and if we weren't doing this podcast, that'd be very confusing historically to me. <laughs> <laughs> you you um, did also. You saw solid mm, 35 minutes of Green Lantern pre-pod. I so did. There is that. I did. Yeah. 
Yeah, what a time. What a time. <laughs> All right, see you later. And he just walked out. That <laughs> My other incredible. spite store would be I'd invest in that other team that Wrexham's rivaled with. <laughs> and I'd just take out Ryan Reynolds' Wrexham. And then when he's like, why do you hate me so much? I'll be like, Green Lantern, dude. Yeah. I went. To, my friend Brian talked me into a midnight showing. <laughs> you know, in what 2010. And I've been waiting. It's like that Will Forte and uh, <laughs> I think you should leave. Like yes. I've been waiting for yes. 13 years for this moment. <laughs> so we've done a, a fair amount of these. They are not quite as pro- prolific as the MCU in terms of output, but there's been. I would say I'm not going to count. I actually want to thank. Uh, oh gosh, nine of these? Does that seem right? Shane, you'll know. How no, many? DC I mean, off the top of my head, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I don't even know if we're in double digits at this point. Yeah, Certainly no. not with the the, the DC EU per se, sure. but but just DC movies in general, like Lego Batman and Joker, we're probably in the low double digits. Probably yeah. 10, 12, something we, in that ballpark. Here we yeah. go. We've got Man of Steel. Yep. Uh-huh. BVS. Uh huh. Suicide Squad. Whew, what a time. Uh, Wonder Woman. Okay. The first Justice League, Aquaman is six, Shazam seven, All right. Harley Quinn eight, Wonder Woman eighty four nine, Zack Snyder's Justice League ten, uh-huh. The Suicide Squad eleven, okay. Black Adam, Shazam, and now The Flash. So fourteen. Fourteen. Huh? Fourteen DC wow. movies. Um, All great, obviously. <laughs> Wonder Woman was cool, man. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a lot of these. Shane's been on for most of these. Shane is, it, for those level setting coming on Shane, on, on this, Brian and I are huge nerds. But we're not particularly big, big comic. Brian, a little more than me, but but mm-hmm. not super comic booky. Kind of came to, I mean, obviously we were Batman and Superman, but kind of came to know these more nuanced characters only through this universe and... uh marvels right and then maybe like some shane is like a big time dc fan particularly batman that's his like whole like hobby and stuff so we never want to be too neg on here because we have had issues with these we don't i think we're always pretty clear that we don't really blame the dc properties for these movies not being very good i normally blame warner brothers and Zack snyder for the most part so i want to be clear on that but uh we do want to always have a voice of, of reason and Brian and I both, I don't know how Shane feels on this, are not, uh, even before he became a sort of D-team Jared Leto, huge uh, Ezra Miller fans, just like not, he's just not a very good actor. So we were not especially looking forward to this. However, as this got closer to happening, we started seeing uh, promotional stuff and buzz about it. It The rumor... <laughs> Was uh, that it was it, this was actually pretty pretty well done and obviously my, the Michael Keaton piece and all of that so there were things to be excited about this um, Shane I'm going to save you for last because you are sure. the uh, you are the expert so I'm, I want your your full like you know did this satisfy fan, satisfy fanboy Shane enough which is it was important audience uh, but Brian I will go to you first I I think I summarized a bit how you were how you felt coming in and we also have a bit of multiverse exhaustion which is Certainly not entirely DC's fault. Yeah, all of this is a stew of coming into this confused. So go. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I did not enjoy this. Um, the the deal is, I said this coming into to seeing the movie. I, whether you choose to believe or not, I really do try to go into every movie with, if not like a fully open mind, then at least like, hey, I hope I enjoy this. That's that's. 
I very rarely am like, God, I hope this is freaking terrible. You know, I, I, because I got to spend two and a half hours exactly. doing this. Plus, plus the trailers and plus the miserable theater experience half the time and all these things. Like it's, it's not, I don't know. Like the, the truly terrible, terrible movies, like the, the, the three worst movies of the year, especially when they're, they're not properties that I have any interest in, you know, or any familiarity. I kind of enjoy that to some extent. Like the really bad Transformers movies, I kind of enjoy that because it's just so bad that you're just like, oh man, at least be at least this gives us something to talk about, you know. So I really want it. I want to be able to walk out of every movie I see and be like, yeah, it was fine. At the very least, just from an enjoyment standpoint, that doesn't make for a great podcast, as we've said many, many times. Like bees are the toughest movies to talk about a lot of times, but. Just in terms of how am I using my time, I'd really like to enjoy the movie. What I said going into this one was my worry is if the concept is great, and these are all these are big ifs. If the concept is great and Keaton Batman is awesome and it's just so cool to have him back and the direction is a lot better than where we've been previously. If if all of these things are true, but I still have to deal with two Ezra Millers. I don't know how I'm going to be able to enjoy that movie because I think that Ezra Miller is a terrible actor and is, and the concept for this character, it just makes, it's like, it's purposefully obnoxious. Like that's Mm -hmm. his whole bit is just to be obnoxious is giving it too much credit. Insufferable is, it seems like, it seems like when, when Ezra Miller was cast, the direction that 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 they were given was uh just be like so insufferable that people like hate their lives that's what we're going for and now he like can't they can't let this go i guess um so that was my concern going in was just like i i would like to at least be able to say yeah it was fine um and we have seen an uptick just slightly at least a little bit with i mean black adam notwithstanding but you know, I think I think we all relatively enjoyed Shazam too, generally speaking, and clearing out the Snyder of it all, I think is is very good for this whole franchise or universe or whatever. So like there's some positive signs, and I know that this is a holdover from from the old guard, and I'm sure we'll get into that, Shane. But this was kind of a miserable experience for me and and would have been a fully like okay we are talking about i am talking about this in the same vein as some of these other awful movies that i've hated over the years if not for the keaton part of this thing i think that that is if there's a saving grace for this it's it's michael keaton uh and that version of batman but then at the same time that just makes me more frustrated cuz it's like just do that just do old batman that would have been so much cooler than than this, and then when you get into all of the, the like the, <laughs> just the gymnastics that DC and Warner Brothers have done to make sure that this movie is Ezra Miller uh, to Ezra Miller's is, is baffling to me. You know, it's like if the, if, if if this person was like Daniel Day Lewis level actor, then like I'm not saying you excuse their god awful terrible behavior. But you at least are like, yeah, I kind of get it. You know, they're a great actor, so you know, whatever. But this sucks. It's it's just so bad to sit there and and try to squeeze through to to, to deal with with now two of them. So anyway, um, 
would have liked to have said, oh, yeah, it was fine. This is, hey, we're, we're, Gunn's influence is already there a little bit, right? Like, we're, we're, we're sort of closing this chapter of DC Extended Universe on a high or at least like on a mid. And I, I, I did not enjoy, I did not enjoy this at all. Too, too, too much Ezra. <laughs> Shane, what about you, man? How, how, how were you? How, how do you feel about it all? I mean, look, I, you know, I, I've seen Ezra Miller in very limited things. I saw their performance in Perks of Being a Wallflower, and I thought they were pretty good in that movie. Um, short of that, I think I've only seen Ezra in this DC Universe thing. I, I can't think of any other movie that I've seen Ezra Miller in off the top of my head. I thought that Ezra Miller was great in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, you know, and I think they're fine in this. I, I like, I, I mean, I. Uh, part of it, it to me is like the, this version of the character is by design kind of annoying. And so, you know, it, it's fine. It, the performance didn't bother me at all because that it's been consistent, at least with how they were portrayed in the Batman V Superman. I mean, the flash was only in Batman V Superman for one second. And then the flash was in the Zack Snyder's justice league for a, a pretty big chunk of it. So realistically there's like one movie that we're just basing this performance mm-hmm. off of. And you know, it was fine. It, it didn't bother me at all. And I, I, I would disagree. I, I thought that they were pretty good in this movie. Um, but again, just that's my take is I, I thought yeah. they were mm-hmm. pretty good. No, totally, totally fair. Wait, how did you feel about the kind of, uh, I can imagine I'm sitting there picturing the uh basketball line when there's multiple batmans in a movie i mean you're gonna get definitely gonna be the you're excited to feel these nipples shane so oh for sure uh, yeah i mean this could this is like shane shane byerly fantasy camp here so did it did that did that te- did that deliver on the promise of of a multiverse batman yeah for sure man i mean i wish i would have gotten like a little bit more like you know, it, it would have been cool to get like a Spider-Man no way home moment where it's like, they're all on screen together yeah. doing stuff. Mm. I think that would have made my head explode, but um, you know, yeah, it was but Affleck to- has the Phil Knight hair <laughs> kind of like, um, yeah. they couldn't get the mustache off Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No shoes either. Cause he just refused to wear them. <laughs> Pur- uh, the tights. Why are those tights purple? Yeah. <laughs> He's got a fanny pack too. That's, that's yeah. a bizarre choice. Uh, <laughs> this, Batman, this Batman rules. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, look, I enjoyed it. It's, you know, uh, this movie to me has a lot of fan servicey moments, right? And and I think if you're not a fan, it's fine to criticize them. But as the, like a target market for this fandom, I, I loved it, right? I thought yeah. it like those moments that hit that fandom stuff worked for me, right? Like in The Force Awakens when, you know, again, I like Star Wars. I don't love Star Wars. It's not, it's it's nowhere near my top five favorite, like, properties of all time. So the moment in The Force Awakens when Chewie and Han walk back on the Millennium Falcon and they go, oh, we're home. And, like, the whole theater lost their minds. I'm sitting there going, eh, whatever. But Michael Keaton shows up on screen and goes, I'm Batman. And I'm like, I time travel. I'm instantly, you know, five years old again watching this movie. And I'm like, yay, like, this is awesome. So it, it worked for me, you know. And overall, I think it worked for me. Um, one thing I, I will say that, and, and maybe I'm, uh, I'd be curious to hear you guys' thoughts on this, but, but and maybe I'm, I'm not thinking of other movies in the recent past that have done this, but I did think about this when I saw the flash, I was like, we've cracked the code on the whole body double face replacement thing. Like there was not a single shot of, 
uh, Ezra Miller, either Ezra Miller, where I was able to really tell like, oh, this is the stunt double or, yeah. oh, this mm-hmm. is CG. Like it was flawless. Like as far as I was concerned with that body replacement thing, I'm like, man, we've, we've nailed it. We, we cracked the code, you know? No, totally. Now, I mean, just think about what we can do with that. Woody Harrelson wise in 93 and me. We can have quad, quad Harrelson's, <laughs> quad Harrelson's bro. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. John and Kate plus eight Woody's. Um, <laughs> That's a great joke from 14 years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got I, the one thing I will grant you, Shane, on this, and I, I want to make sure it's said plainly. I will give this movie in, in, a lot of it, um, which is I, why I will grade it higher than a lot of the Snyder stuff. In that, oh my god, at least a few times it tried to be fun. It may yeah, have, totally. it may have swung and missed on that a few times because you might find Ezra Miller's character grading or whatever, you know, or something didn't work, whatever. But I give it so much more credit than those movies because it's not just like, look how dark and dreary these superheroes. They're mm. so sad. Like, right. it's, a, they're, it's a superhero movie. Like, that you can do sad uh, superheroes. Like, you know, one could argue Christopher Nolan did that pretty well. You, But you better be Christopher Nolan. It's a hard thing right. to pull off. And it's right. much easier to pull off something that has a little more verve like this. And I, I do give it credit for that. Yeah, for sure. I'd agree. Yeah. And there's a color palette. I mean, I, I think yeah. a lot of this movie looks awful. They they pretty clearly spent all of the special effects budget on having <laughs> two Ezra Millers. And, cause the rest so was a TikTok filter, I think. Yeah. I mean, it looks terrible. And and this director drives me. I, I do not. I do not like. Uh, I can't stand this director. And, and his whole bit of, oh, no, no, we did this on purpose. No, no, no. No, you did not. No, you did not do this on purpose. You did not make your movie look terrible on purpose. You cheaped <laughs> out on special effects. We all know that that's how this works. Um, well, I, let's let's split but the at difference. At least there was a color is, palette. I would say. There's, let's split the difference, which is okay. We did it on purpose. Fine, you did it on purpose. I believe you. It, it doesn't look great, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Fine, yeah. you did it on purpose. I, I believe. Yeah, it, congrats it just, on your terrible taste. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. It's an L, but uh, yeah. Yeah. No, but but it, uh, you know that's been one of my complaints about the Snyderverse is that the only color palette is gray and um, and also dreary. <laughs> that's that's the other color that's <laughs> yeah. involved in in yeah these rain and gray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's. Uh, so this one having some attempt to like expand into the other crayons and whatnot was was uh, was nice as compared to to that. Let's talk a little bit about the history of this movie because it, it certainly sure. has for for folks who are fans of not not even the DC universe but folks who are just fans of movies and the movie industry in general. This definitely has a pretty long and storied history. So Ezra Miller got cast as the Flash in 2014, which was surprising for me to learn because I thought that that wouldn't have happened until barest minimum like 2016 because that was when Batman v Superman came out that's when the Flash had his little cameo and it just felt like a last minute thing but apparently Ezra Miller was cast in 2014 Um, so then Batman v Superman comes out then the Justice League comes out in 2017 right and then the, you know, apparently the original Flash movie was supposed to hit theaters in 2018. So that's in theory how long this movie has been delayed. And then obviously with all the shakeups with the Justice League and the Zack Snyder business and all that, and then the pandemic hit and that delayed everything by years and years. Um, and then I think honestly, with all the shakeups with like trying to reshoot 
the Zack Snyder Justice League and then also like trying to reshoot Aquaman and, and now the DC universe is shifting and changing again. Like it, you know, it, it like changed the nature of this script and this screenplay like three or four different times. So it is kind of amazing that ultimately this movie crossed the finish line because for a period of time, it started to feel like this was a movie that would never come out. Yeah. But isn't it, I mean, it's a little weird to think that the the germ, the seed of this movie was planted in 2014. I mean, it's like, it feels like, crazy that it's a nine-year journey to take it to get this far you know yeah and they've changed directors i don't know how many times I mean, right we had right. a running joke in our discord for years of this is not a real movie like this is never going to exist you know like stop trying to make the flash happen it's not going to happen um it, it seemed like a cursed production uh, in part because it's like why are we why are we working so hard to get this person into the movie? I feel like it'd be pretty easy to just just recast them with anybody would be fine. Yeah, to um, Shane's point, they like were not in much of it coming. It that's right. that's what was always confusing to me is you know they're behaving this way, you know, all these kind of lack of apologies that they're, they're missing for like months on end just from like a responsibility point of view. That's probably not great. Yeah, and again, I get, I kind of get if it's Daniel Day Lewis, but I also would kind of get it if it's like, look, we've this is the Flash Four, we've made three sure. of these, we got to just sure. get this one out. But like, we're talking not. I don't think a lot of people would be too alarmed if it was a different Flash in this. For sure, yeah, yeah, and and also just to make sure we get the timeline straight as well, because I I did a little digging on this because I figured it might come up. The movie shot principal photography throughout the summer of 2021 and then wrapped up in early 2022. And then at that point, principal photography was done and all the visual effects work started, et cetera, et cetera. The bad behavior with Ezra Miller started in the summer of 2022. So Mm -hmm. at that point, the movie had already wrapped and they were deep into the post-production process at that point. So I do just want to make that clear just in terms of studio economics that it's, you know, it's, it, I understand, I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with it, but I understand what Warner Brothers did, which is to say to, which, which is to say that the movie was shot, it was done, and it was, all the visual effects were being worked on at that point. And it's like, the idea of sinking, replacing Ezra Miller, when you've already spent $200 million yeah. on this movie, is just, it's easy for someone on the internet to say, well, oh, they, uh, you know, their behavior was really bad, he should have been recast. And it's like, yeah, that's not how it really works, folks. They've already sunk... $200 million into this project, they're going to see it all the way through and hope for the best. Unless it's, and, back, unless it's Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, unless it's right. Batgirl, then they'll sink it. Right. It's Yeah, so it just, I do just want to get that out there that for anybody who's listening who's like, Ezra should have been recast. It's like, maybe if it was day one, if it was an Eric Stoltz situation on Back to the Future and you've only sure. shot like two weeks, yeah, fine, we can have that discussion. Once the movie's in the can, that discussion is over. It's done. We've sunk too much money into this ship. The only pushback I have on that is that it didn't, I mean, like a lot of the, like the stuff that came up, came up after they'd already wrapped it, but like he full on strangled a person on tape in 2020. Like that's probably where we could just just say, Hey, you know what? (laughs) Uh, We're going to recast this person with Dylan O'Brien or again, like literally anyone. And even if you think that Ezra Miller is good in these movies, I obviously do not. I can't imagine there's too many people who are like, yeah, that's the reason I'm into the flash is as, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it would have been to your, to your point, Shane. Yes. Like this was in the can. I think they really stuck their heads in the sand to keep this casting, uh, alive for, 
for a long time and that made no sense. And so it invites the, what are we doing here when all these other things are coming out and it's like, well, we stuck by our guy through all this. And so now we're kind of stuck with them. And right. I don't know. I think that factors into the terrible box office because they've not been able to support these movies since Gunn came on board. Right. And uh, they had Miller do like a little bit of, of red carpet stuff, but but he, but they're not out like, you know, doing the, the talk show circuit. Yeah, like, he's not on he Hot would. Ones. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that that would have, I don't know how much impact that has anymore in, in the year of our Lord 2023, but it, it didn't, it certainly well, didn't help. Look, um, I think it, I think it has some impact because, you know, regardless of whether it's this movie or any other right now, I mean, as we record this, we're in the middle of a writer's strike. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there, there is no tonight show. There are, there is no late night circuit at this mm-hmm. moment, right? Like any show that has writers is just not there. And while I don't necessarily think that, Appearing on the Tonight Man, Show, Corden went out way too early. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this could have uh, been his time. Yeah, I, I look. While I don't, I don't necessarily think that that folks that are our age or, or folks that are like under forty really use the Tonight Show as a barometer of sure. you know of popularity anymore. People over forty still do. I, I mean, I know a lot of folks my parents' age that still watch the Tonight Show and all that stuff kind of regularly. And so, if you would have had you know, Ben, if you would have had Ben Affleck or Michael Keaton or Ezra, anybody appearing on these shows, I think it would have made a, at least a bit, a bit of an impact. So I'm not saying that that's the only reason this movie also underperformed at the box office this weekend, but I do think it's a chief ingredient for sure. For sure. And it just adds to, I get that like guns is in a, in a bad spot at this point because these movies were all greenlit before he came on board and most of them were done. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, and then he's working for for the Zaz, which is has got to be tough on everybody. It's pretty seemed pretty rad for Chris Lee. <laughs> yeah. but they like, just like to see Zucker do this, right? Right. Bah. They they've all of these movies now. This is three movies: Black Adam, uh, Shazam two, and this have just felt. They tried really hard with this one, like no, 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 we might do more of these. Yeah, we're totally into this, but it. They all felt like they just had no support, and yeah. that leads to this like sort of feeling of of um, just like worthlessness of like, okay, well, what's the point of this? Like, why? Why it am I here? Pulls like, even if this like, is good, what's gonna happen with it? Nothing, because it's, it's just, happening at a time where like people are getting cynical mm-hmm, about yeah. the quantity of these kind of movies anyway, organically, for sure. So then you're putting them out kind of as filler. Which right. I'm t- kind of sympathetic to Warner Brothers and For Gun sure. on that because you're Thanks. in a, okay, you've made this move about the future of your studio. You're going to throw this new DC universe together, and, but you have these movies. In, to Shane's point, like in the can. So what do you do if you come out and like really back them? It's confusing everyone, but if you totally cold shoulder them, it just plays in everyone's cynicism about <laughs> this. And just, you know what I mean? It's a really mm-hmm. hard thing to play. You're mm-hmm. kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because it's not. Sure. You know, it might just be total sunk cost, and then they're just going to show up in 2025, and be, it'll all seem like, oh, that's, you know what? Who cares that Black Adam bombed because they finally made the Superman movie or something, right? Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, but in the moment right now, with, you know, people aren't going to see like, like Guardians as much or right. Ant Man and things like that. Things that are historically a little more successful, at least with massive mass audiences. So then you go, yeah, we're just, kind of just ping-ponging out uh, superhero movies and not really backing them. It's like everyone's just kind of going enough. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I think the other thing that's also happening, too, another ingredient in this, too, 
is that people are now, it's like a reflex where they just go, eh, I can wait 45 days for this to hit, you know, yeah. a streaming service, right? It's, yeah. it's, you know, unless you're Tom Cruise or unless you're Christopher Nolan, unless you're one of these guys that like raises a real big stink about like, my movie's right. only going to be in theaters for six months. That's the only way you can see it. And then maybe if you're lucky, I'll put it out on DVD. Unless you're one of those guys, everybody now just goes, mm, yeah, I'll, it's fine. It'll be on HBO Max. It'll be you on also, Max in a month and I'll check it out there. You know, Totally. And, and you have Max now rebranding from the HBO. And one of their big pillars is like, we have WB movies quick. That, yeah. You know, it's kind of marketing against going to see this in theaters as well sure. be, be, and aggressively because they're trying to like relaunch that brand. So the timing was just really, I would say, piss poor for this, but also wasn't awesome either. So I want to talk more about it. So, okay, let's let's save the Keaton stuff. I want to talk to Brian about that a bit too because I know he's a big Keaton person. Um, but Shane, I want to talk to you about, I don't know if you listened to the uh, – Affleck on I think smart list but he was talking about how he finally figured out how to play Batman like in this movie <laughs> once he's not doing it anymore what did you think about Affleck's Batman in this uh you know I'm gonna be honest I I was so I was pumped when he showed up on screen um mm-hmm. because like first off it's like because I, 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 I've made no bones about the fact I love Ben Affleck as Batman I think he's awesome I think he really gets the darker side of the character I like his take on the character um, and when he launched out of that plane and he's on that cool bike, I was like, oh, this is great. Cause also the other thing too, the trailers kind of did a, a kind of a little bit of a cloak and dagger, at least they hit it well enough that I didn't catch on to it is this is the first time in a movie ever, or at least in a, you know, like a live action movie post Adam West, that Batman has been in blue and gray, right? He's not in the, right. you know, he's not in just the all black or whatever. So he shows up and he starts doing his thing. And I'm like, this is cool. And then, and like, I was enjoying it, right? And he's, you know, he's talking to Barry and he's being a badass and he's, he's saving the day because he's Batman, he's cool. And then Wonder Woman shows up and we get the lasso of truth thing again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, we're, we're going for this Batman, huh? The jokey 2017 Justice League Batman. Oh, I thought we market corrected that, that we, we don't like that anymore. Like, oh, we're going for this jokey Batman now. Cool, I guess. So it was awesome to see him, and then it felt like the the wind immediately got taken out of my sails when we did that stupid lasso truth bit again, and we got silly Batman. But uh, but still, I, look, it, uh, all that to say, I love Ben Affleck. I think he's great. So I'll take more of him, however I can get it. But yeah, it was it was like awesome up until the point it it literally drove off a bridge, and then I was like, oh, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> you know, totally. Uh, Brian, what about you with 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 uh, the the remnants? I shouldn't say just Affleck. The remnants of the DC verse showing up in this, aside from post credit scene. Um, that opening scene was like maybe the worst opening scene I've ever seen in a movie. And so by the point, by the time that we actually have Affleck and 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 Gal uh, on on screen together, it was just like I I just kind of want to die. And so. And then they're not in the movie anymore, pretty much after that. So, uh, the baby shower—that's the worst thing I've ever seen in a movie. I think I—I I, I had five different people uh, message or text me in the days leading up to this, saying um, some variation of like, "Hey, the opening scene is terrible. You're gonna die," or. Um, and my real friends being like, I almost want to pay to go see this movie again just so I can watch you have to watch the opening scene of this movie. 
Um, and none of them were wrong. It was, uh, I was in hell for that like 15 minutes. That's, I wanted to quit the pot. I almost texted you guys and said, actually, I think I'm done. I don't know if I can, I can keep doing this anymore. It was terrible. So Affleck was fine by that point. Cause it was just like, well, okay, at least, at least this, uh, this baby shower thing is done. Uh, I, it was it was perfect. I hate the costume for, I don't mind the color scheme, uh, Shane. I think that's cool. But like, I think that his face looks stupid in the mask. Like the, the like the tight grip. It looked weird. Face in this mask, one. cowl or whatever. I hate it. I think it looks stupid. It looked weird in this one. Like it, yeah. like I noticed like, cause yeah. I've seen it twice now. Like, and there, there's a couple of shots where his face looks scrunched in. Like it was like weird yeah. CG on it. Yeah. And look, I, I want to be a hundred percent clear. I'm not in the world's greatest shape, so I'm not pot calling the kettle black here. I've seen Ben Affleck. Like, he just posted no, a picture no, like last week that he's in incredible reverse. shape. It's not that he's not in incredible shape. It's like steroid head. I think. Right. And then right. you have you have a mask costume. Shane, you, you started this, Richard. You say, hey, he's really into this. That's the truth. I'm not the market for uh I don't really care about the the the, the costumes. That's not the bat suit is not a selling point for me. It can only be a detriment. <laughs> it can only be the bat nipples or whatever this face mask was for Affleck and things like that. There's there's not going to be a time where like man the the suit was was the real. I love the suit because it reminded me of Batman number four sixty three. You know or whatever. Like that's just not a thing that is. Part of it for me, it's it's almost like editing. It's like you're only gonna, I'm only gonna notice it when it's really bad, and that was a bad Batman. Well, no, let me. I mean, what I'm asking is that the suit once he steps off the bike, it's like a the suit kind of looked like a uh, like a like a mocap suit. You know what I mean? Like it was gray and it had all this like weird armored plating on it. And what what the point I was trying to make earlier is again, I'm I'm not saying Ben Affleck isn't in shape. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am Mm -hmm. saying is multiple shots where you see like all of his body. The suit like sagged and scrunched in like all the wrong places, like around his crouch mm-hmm. area and around his like gut. And it's like it, the bat suit should not be doing this. Let me make that 100% clear. Sure. Like it shouldn't. Yeah. And it's like, we know we have a cool one. He looked awesome in Batman v Superman. Can we not just reuse that suit? And if you want to make it black and blue, just paint the cape and the, and the, you know, the, the gloves. But it was sure. just it, like, Seeing it twice now, like it threw me the first time, and it really threw me the second time. Where I'm like, why does it feel like this suit doesn't fit him at all? It's just weird, you know. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I liked having Wonder Woman show up. Sorry, that's the last thing oh, I'll yeah. say. I like having Wonder Woman show up. It does feel like the fan service part of it doesn't doesn't bother me really. Imagine it's the no yeah, it's, it's just like it, <laughs> when it, she it, sang it, that, I thought it was great. Kind of. <laughs> it's. The fan service part of it doesn't bother me. It's just like, okay, we're going to do this cameo thing again. We're just going to keep running it back with with the Wonder Woman theme song and and all that. And it's just how many times do we get to do that before it doesn't it doesn't really matter? Cuz I actually I really like her. I those movies are some of the ones I I dig in this universe. I like her in that role. I think that she's pretty dang good at it and I would be happy to continue to have she's the part of this universe that works to me. Like I'm happy if we want to you want to recast Batman and Aquaman and The Flash and Superman and everyone else? That's totally fine. I think it's cool to um, that whatever. Like I'm I'm in support of it. You want to keep Wonder Woman? I think that's great too. I just how many times this can't work over and over. We can't we can't be doing this for five more movies. Where it's like oh Wonder Woman shows up here. 
can't, you know, it's <laughs> right, just, right. Right, come on. Like we get it. It's let's yeah. move on a little bit. So right. b- bigger spo- spoilers here, by the way, as we get into these cameos, bigger shock to you, Brian, um, cameo in this Clooney or the guy from those sprint commercials. <laughs> Man, that's supposed to be Billy Crudup too, and so they they took an L there. They uh, they they lost Billy Crudup at some point in the the many many changeovers for this movie, and then they had to replace him with the Sprint guy. So, yeah, I noticed uh, that too. I was like, oh wait, we couldn't get Billy Crudup back. What the hell what happened there? No, no, that's a that's a tough. How one. they get Ron Livingston in twenty twenty two or whenever they made this? That's what's <laughs> tough. The Sprint commercials right now. Oh, Ron Livingston just got so much money from Sprint for. <laughs> Really, no reason, and it's one of my favorite things in all of, of advertising. Shane, this is one of our bits that Brian and I are obsessed with when companies pay for barely famous spokespeople, and you go, You could just have an anonymous person, right? Yeah, you could yeah. create your own so flow Sprint from paid, Progressive. If right, you would exactly. Just- yeah, Sprint paid Ron Livingston a ton of money, and like 4% of people, this is like in 2016, you know, like 20 years out for office space. And it's like, why did you pay Ron Livingston? You could have just gotten guy like, from that one arc on Sex in the City. Yeah, weird. I don't- <laughs> yeah. yeah, just go on to Gallup photos or whatever, and just pick a just white dude that looks boring, and you know, that guy will probably cost you fifty grand, and you're good. You get the exact same amount of cachet. Um, going through, yeah, it gets a little cameo soupy, but it's multiverse and it's fun, and they, you know, sure. it's all, you know, we all know the Keaton thing is there, and a big part of why people are interested in this, at least like hardcore Batman movie fans. Um, one thing I want to talk about, which was my biggest critique of this, and it was like such a bummer when, because I was kind of, I had heard that this was kind of cool, and people were amped about it, and but the minute I saw the trailer and saw it was Zod, I just don't. I hate that villain so much in that mm. Michael Shannon version of it. I don't know. I like Michael Shannon. I don't, again, I'm not a comic book guy. I'm sure Zod's cool. I, the merging of those two, I didn't like in a man of steel. I don't, I just think it's weird tonally. Like it just, the whole performance is, is off to me. Um, so that like kind of kept me not exactly hyped for this version of it. But before we get into Keaton, I wanted to talk a little bit about Supergirl uh sasha kale right am i saying that correctly cool. i think so yeah okay was unfamiliar with her oeuvre but uh you know i'm not i'm not trying to be insulting so i apologize to all the sasha kale fans out there if if i am but i i don't think she had many credits to her name I yeah think she no was no quote I unquote yeah. unknown so good that's cool and that's yeah it looks like this was her yeah she's got some young and the restless mm-hmm. so she's got some soap experience um so yeah so that's a bigger part than i expected in this like that's a pretty um, aside from the other flash a pretty big co-lead how do we think she did i, I think she did fine i mean it's you know look i, I again the, the way that this story is structured and kind of the point of of one of the points of the movie is that there's no universe in which on this world that she doesn't like you know that the planet doesn't die with Zod. So my point is she was kind of forgettable in this movie. She didn't really have that much to do. And so that's fine. She wasn't, 
this was not like a real meat on the bone type actor's role. All you had to do was look good in the suit, show up, throw Mm -hmm. a couple punches, and then you get killed at the end of the movie. So she did fine. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that as an insult whatsoever. She did exactly what she was asked to do and she looked good doing it, but she didn't really have a ton of character development. And I can't really see much of a future of her as Supergirl because that was the whole point was she was just on this world or whatever. But yeah, fine. I mean, she... She did a totally adequate job for what she was asked to do, you know, but was it a memorable mm-hmm. performance? Eh, not really no, to me. No, it's, just, it's still the flying around looks dumb in 2023. That's CGI wise. I just thought not her fault at all. I'm just thinking about her mm-hmm. character almost had this Tinkerbellian um, flutter to them a bit. And it was like, it took me out of her, her a little bit, just the way they did that effect. But Brian, what do you think about yeah. Zod? What do you think about super Supergirl? I don't love Zod. I Michael Shannon is a real hit or miss. Like some of my, I mean, he is he has genuinely like some roles that I think are just incredible. Yeah, he's an incredible talent. And then there's times where I'm yeah, like, I, like I am so tired of this. And I mean, he admitted full, and I don't blame him. Like you take the, I would take the money all day too. Get but he bag. straight up said he's like, yeah, I wasn't real invested in this. Um, I can't. <laughs> And it kind of shows. Um, yeah, it definitely That was like shows. a throwback. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was almost like, I, I'll give all the people involved in this movie some credit. Like, they are trying. There's effort being put forward by Ezra Miller twice over. And there's effort being put in by the rest. Of, even if you're not like, eh, I'm not really into this performance. They're trying. And that wasn't always the case. In, and sometimes it's not always the case in the MCU movies. Robert Redford mails in his role in uh, Warrior oh, yeah. Soldier, like, hardcore. Um, so it happens. That was kind of a hallmark, I think, of some of the DC extended universe movies, and and it's not in this one. Uh, Shannon's kind of a whole throwback to to the old way because he's it was like, all right, yeah, the Gene Hackman not. Superman performances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he clearly does not care about this um, at all. But no, I'm with you, Richard. I don't really know what it is. I can't really put my finger on it, but there's something about the, that character and and or the performance that just i don't like and it just kind of leaves me kind of leaves me cold so i wasn't super enthused that uh that he showed back up as like sort of the big bad but i don't know i yeah then we have dark speedster too right. cool name yeah, <laughs> yeah. um I, so that was that wasn't that wasn't great i thought supergirl was fine and uh it was like a um like multivert, like the Doctor Strange movie when they have uh, you know uh, Krasinski and uh-huh. um, and and uh, Patrick Stewart and whoever else show up there. I mean, obviously this is a bigger role than 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 those guys had, but it was a similar kind of vibe. Like, oh yeah, we can do a fun, just like kind of a throwaway character for this. And and uh, to your point, I mean, she she looked good in the suit. Um, she she has some 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 stage presence and some charisma the character was just kind of there to die, I guess, or like, yeah, maybe even not die. It was just like, she's just kind of there and that's okay. It was, it was, it was totally fun. That's a, that's a perfect way to put it, Brian. That's the perfect analogy is like, it's like asking like, how's John Krasinski in as, as, you know, Mr. Fantastic. It's like, he's fine. He's in the movie for three minutes. He did what he was asked to do. And then his character gets ripped to shreds on screen. It's hard to say he turned in a great performance because it's so little was asked of him. I will, yeah. I will say I thought that the I thought that she and the the special effects working together to make it looked a lot better when she had the suit on than it did. Like that opening scene when she's just gotten out of the jail and she's that looked terrible. That looked awful. Her flying look. Like, that's obviously none of that is her fault at all whatsoever. It just 
they it, clearly special effects they can only go do as much as they could do on the short time that scene was awful looking and i was it made me really worried about what the the third act was going to look like from like gosh she just looks so stupid flying around and these the the attacks look dumb all this stuff kind of looks dumb and it wasn't that way when it got to that sequence so some of it was better effects and some of it probably was like the look with the suit and all that kind of stuff looks better than uh, i don't know like a ratty jail uh, prison outfit, you know. We finally got Nick Cage Superman. We've only been waiting <laughs> on that for fifty years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's uh, if we want to talk about it now, let's talk about that whole like when the worlds are colliding type yeah. deal. Well, let's hold on before we even get to that. I, I just like on a general sense, I, I want to just talk about the structure of the movie. The, the like the way the movie was written was fine. It's like it, like so many major Flash stories are the same thing, which is the Flash makes a mistake decides that he can run back in time to fix it, runs back in time, changes one thing, ruins a whole bunch of things, and then he spends the rest of the movie undoing what he did, and then when he gets back to the present, he changes like one little thing that makes the world a little bit better, right? It's like that storyline has been done to death um, in the Flash comics, and, I, and I, that's fine. I'm not knocking the screenwriters for writing it because this is the very first Flash movie, so you get to do sure. the basic one, right? Sure. It's like you can't hold against Tim Burton for doing like the Wayne death scene. Cause it's like, well, it was really the first Batman movie. You got to show that Wayne's getting killed right now. You can hold it against, you know, if like Matt Reeves does it in this next one, it's like, Oh, for God's sake, dude, we've seen this 10 times, but sure. you know, the structure of it was pretty standard, I think. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. I, like it was fine. I, you know what I mean? It was just, it was every, like, I just want to ask like on a general structure level, like, did you guys like, would you have any problems with the movie? Like, did you think it was fine? Just the way that it was crafted, the story, et cetera. Mm. I think that that is one of the strengths of the movie, and it's it's unfortunate that we have such, at least I do, have so much multiverse fatigue right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when this movie was written in 2018 or whatever, um, we did not have multiverse fatigue at that point. So, yeah. like I, at the very least, I would say I can. I, I'm I'm not gonna hold that against it. I thought that the structure was was decent enough and. Uh, a lot better in many ways than some of the other the previous DC EU movies. I, I think that there was there was something there, and even the execution is not terrible. It's just Ezra Miller's only been in well two versions of one movie basically at this right. point, but it does feel like this has been forty movies at this point. And I don't I don't I don't know totally how to explain that. I think it just goes back to. Again, the the major one of the major issues with this whole vision of the last ten plus years is that they hired Zack Snyder. The second major issue is that they just refused to do things in a working order and and had to jump so quickly to um, their version of the Avengers. And yeah, they've only been in one movie, one and a half movies, whatever. But it, but that one and a half movies has taken a freaking decade to get through, yeah. and so it felt like we were treading on ground that I already knew. And my only background with with this character is the one and a half movies and probably three seasons in the background of the Flash that I watched. You know, at some point when it was on, like, oh, this is fine. And so you're right, like it's. This is the origin story in a lot of ways. You do have to introduce that, I guess, because if you haven't watched any Flash, you may not know any of these things. So, like, I understand it, but it also, 
I was like, pretty quickly was checking my watch. I was like, all right, I, I know all this stuff. Like, what are we, what are we doing? But to your point, Shane, I haven't read hardly any Flash comics, and but this does seem to be the bit that this that Barry Allen's whole deal is just, well, I accidentally went back in time and messed something up. All right, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and fix that. And here's a little tweet. So, in some ways, it's like, yeah, you're paying, you're you're doing what the character does in the comics, and in some ways, I'm like, but I'm I don't I'm not sure that we necessarily needed all that at the same time it's yeah i agree i mean i i'm willing to let all that go because it's the first sure. flash movie right it's like yeah. it, like stan lee once said that every comic is somebody's first comic and so this is probably someone's first exposure to the flash so i'm For fine sure. with yeah totally yeah no, with doing point. all that i yeah. will say though i do want to ask because i because I, I had a feeling yeah, you were not going to like it i i found like when you make a movie like this, you got like these movies have been done before, right? We can all agree. I mean, Marvel's done this 25 times. DC has done this 14 times where, you know, you got to do stuff that's new and it feels fresh and innovative and it's stuff you haven't seen before. And I got to say, protecting a, a bunch of <laughs> falling babies from a hospital is something that I haven't seen before. And so I rather enjoyed that sequence because it was visually inventive. I thought it was fairly clever. Um, you know, and obviously there's no real danger. You, there's no, you don't make a movie in 2023 where anybody, any baby and a dog is going to get hurt. Um, so I thought it was fine. I'm just curious to hear like what about it, like stylistically really kind of got your dander up there. Um, it looked terrible. I mean, I know you you can't go up and throw 20 babies out of a top floor. Thanks a lot, Obama. But uh, Christopher Nolan would have done it. Christopher Nolan would have done it. You know what I mean? That's right. Got to figure out a way to make that look better. Uh, just straight up, just saying like, it's a baby shower. I wanted, I, I wanted to like set the theater on fire. It was the worst line I've ever heard in my life. And that made me insane. Um, up to that point, we've just gotten Did you put on your carotene sunglasses? (laughs) Or Caruso rather, my Caruso sunglasses? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Um. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Obviously. Always have them with me, just in case. You know, he's been on screen for three minutes and I already am reminded of how much I hate the flash. Like before we even get to the babies are falling out like that didn't like this Sheldon Cooper spectrum interpretation of the flash. I, I cannot, I I don't, I can't fathom that that was the idea that, that anyone thought that this was a good idea and that we've continued to. To stick with it. So I'm already, like, the babies haven't even fallen out of the building, and I'm already super annoyed by this character. And then we get, it's a baby shower, and then you you watch him zip through, and it, I don't know, Shane. Like, it, it. <laughs> I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just No, curious. no, no, no. I, I'm, you know, I, I, try, I genuinely, like I said in the Discord, I'm like, hey, if you like this movie, I'm, because the, the, in our VIP, like, the, the, the grades are all over the place on this one. Um, so like if you liked it, that's great. Like I'm whatever. But I I will see I see your point of like you gotta do something unique. Um I thought that this was a really stupid unique and also it it I think that it is foolish to try to explain the science of all of this in this movie this far down the line of having had the flash in our in this universe for when was Batman v Superman? 2016? 2016, so, yeah. Okay, so seven plus years of, like, I did not totally understand, because I thought that they did kind of a crap job of, like, explaining the, well, you can move this, but you can't move people, all this sort of I think that you just should just cut that entirely. So, like, 
because it doesn't none of it makes any sense and we're not here to see us we're not uh neil degrasse tyson and so i we don't care about these things just like we're gonna we're gonna make sure we're gonna put this baby into a microwave because that works for the science that we've established what what the what the crap are we doing um did not understand and just like the whole bit of like well before i save these babies i've got to get into this I gotta get a burrito in, um, and 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 I just I hated it. I viscerally hated the the sequence, and and at the same time was like, this looks like the the worst video game I've ever seen in my life. Like I could not could not handle the terrible effects. Yeah, it gave me a headache sequence. too. There was yeah. that gloss on everything. It was tough. I Go do. I I think we can all agree that like. Again, I'm even willing to go with Andy Machete. That like, or was Machete is that his name? I don't. I apologize if I'm butchering his name. Muschietti is what I'm going. Muschietti, yeah. Uh, I, like I'm even willing to go on the theory that like all the stuff in this the time bubble was like his perception, so it looked you know askew, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Fine, I'm willing to go with that. But I do agree that like there's a lot of CG in this movie that just doesn't look up to snuff, and it's like, ugh, like that's not acceptable, you know. And I I do agree with you that sure. like some of the baby stuff was like not great, and it's like, you know, or some of, or even some of the stuff like when Batman's getting dragged, you know, like b- behind that Hummer, it's like, oh, that that didn't look phenomenal either. Yeah, that, yeah, the CG yeah. needed some work in this movie for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's. Let's get to the, uh, for the purposes of this podcast, I think we can all agree on the elephant in the room before we kind of grade this out. Keaton was back as Batman. Shane kind of teased it earlier with a bit of, uh, you know, when he heard him say, I'm Batman, Shane uh, fired his popcorn into the air. If he would have said, I'm Batman, Shane, I would have literally fainted. I would have been like, yeah. oh my God, he, he got my letters. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so we'll, we'll let Shane close this thing down with like a more... A nuanced feeling of his thought, but Brian, what? What? I know you're a big Keaton fan. How did it work for you? Uh, that was the best part of the movie by by a mile, and I don't think that was just the nostalgia. I think Keaton rules. Um, I think that his he just has so much charisma and and screen presence. It's unbelievable. Uh, I didn't love the entrance. I thought like Ninja old Batman was kind of dumb with his stupid flip flop and everything. I thought that was kind of dumb. But once. Once we settled in and we have this version of of Batman, the one that that we grew up with and stuff, um, I thought he was really cool, and I thought that those were the moments where the fan service and I, it's it's very easy for me to say this because that's the only part of the fan service stuff that really appeals to me. I'm sure so that's some of it, but I did think that that's that fan servicey stuff worked well. Like when he says, "I'm Batman." That ruled. I thought that was a great sequence. Seeing them um, come into the Batcave and turn the lights on and, and see the Batmobile and the, the Batwing dropping down. And um, and just like he just resumed that persona that he has in the first movie in particular, but both of those movies uh, with, with Returns. It was just like he dropped back into it. And it was just like, yeah, I'm older and that's it. Like that's the only... Uh, difference like the mannerisms were were similar and it just felt like yeah this is this is freaking Batman and I I thought that was that was pretty great to see him do it it made me want more it made me want a movie of this yeah. instead of him being same a glorified cameo you know Shane your whole yeah. life has been built into this you never <laughs> thought you'd see Keaton as Batman again and now 
really well, what's me, the point? My bigger question is, what is the point of going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, before we toss to me, like, how did you feel about it, Richard? Like, I mean, obviously you don't have the connection that I do, but I mean, we, I mean, we, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. We've watched a lot of these movies together. Like, yeah. was there any bit of you that was like, oh man, it's cool. Keaton's back. Oh, well, like, how did you, course, how did you take yeah. it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, uh, I loved it. You know, I'm with Brian, same part of the movie or best part of the movie and with you completely where I was transported to maybe really want like a happy meal. <laughs> Some orange high C. That's um, so funny that you say that. Cause literally as we record, I'm staring at a Michael Keaton Batmobile toy that I got from <laughs> a happy meal in 1992. It's on nice. my desk. So yeah, again, I'm the prime market for this movie. For sure. That's why you're here. But, uh, but yeah, so all that kind of nostalgia piece has worked for me. He's definitely a persona as an actor. We know what Michael Keaton kind of brings to things. A wide range of types of movies, but he always has this sort of Michael Keaton. This has always been a bit of an aberration in his repertoire in terms of it's a little bit different tonally, cadence-wise, and some of the other things. It's It's not quite as kind of effervescent is what he does in a lot of other, other ways for, for, you know, purposefully. So, yeah. And when I heard he was doing it, first thought is like, oh, that must be a pretty good script. And you go, oh, well, may, or maybe they just money whipped him. And, you know, he's got Montana stuff to pay for or whatever. <laughs> and, and then he kind of like, it seemed like he was, he was in it for more than one minute and things like that as it kind of came on. So, I was very interested in this and like what, what his level of commitment would be to it. You know, would he pull a, a, uh, Michael Shannon and just kind of, um, you know, but he, he was, you're right. He was back and he was older. It was still that same character. That character is, is pretty unique in terms of, of men of bat. Yeah, no, it was great. Especially when you start talking about, we touched on earlier, you know, the things they did with AI and CG, the things they did with, you know, Affleck and, and other cameos and, and all of that, this one felt much more grounded. Obviously it's bigger part of the movie, but like more grounded and more fun. And you're right, Brian. I was like, Oh, I would watch. we always, you know, we used to always make the joke about John Hamm as Superman. And then they'd say, Mm -hmm. well, he's too old. And we'd say, well, just do old Superman. It's like, Oh yeah, just do old Batman with Michael Keaton. Mm -hmm. But write a movie about, you know, there's comics about it. Like, What's it like to be Batman in your sixties? Like that could be cool. Sure. And uh, so yeah, so yeah, Shane, thanks for asking. It was it was it was very fun. Those were the best Ezra Miller scenes too. I felt like because that you know you have a good scene partner to kind of bounce things sure. off of and not yeah just, for you know, sure a tennis ball or whatever he's doing most of the movie too to right. his defense. So yeah, for sure. No, it worked for me. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sure people are curious to hear my thoughts. Yeah, look, I, I loved it. I mean, it was, you know, it, it's fan servicey. Let's let's just call it what it is. But but again, I'm a fan for this, so it worked for me. You know, you know, from the jump when he shows back up, it was awesome. It was so great to see him. I mean, there's that scene in the movie. I think the most indicative scene of of him in this movie is, is after they they break Supergirl out of that Russian prison. And there's a scene where he's staring at himself in a mirror while he stitches up a cut in his arm and he's looking pretty ripped and like he kind of stares at the mirror and he's all clean shaven and he kind of looks at himself and he nods and it's like, yeah, I I still got it. Like I can still do Mm -hmm. this. And I guarantee you no screenwriter wrote that scene. I guarantee you that Michael Keaton just said like, we need to put this in the movie. And he's right. Cause you look at him and you're like, man, he can still do this. And I want more of this. So 
yeah, it was awesome to see him back in the movie. I thought he turned in an, an A plus performance. Um, yeah, and it was awesome to see the Batman that I grew up with. And you know, I've seen, I've watched the '89 Batman well, like well over a hundred times. Like I know that movie by heart at this point. So it was awesome to see him back and see him doing the mm -hmm. thing, you know, and like, look, yeah, I understand like some people have said like, oh, some of the more fan servicey lines were silly. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure they were. But there were also silly fan servicey lines in Star Wars that people like sure. there were fan servicey lines in yeah. Spider-Man. So these are my fan servicey lines and I like them. You know, I thought he was great. I, you know, I, I, I think the explanation for why he stopped being Batman was awesome because he was like, I won. I made Gotham a safe city. You know, it's cool. You know, so mm -hmm. that was pretty neat. My only knock on his return, and, and who knows, maybe we'll get this scene, is that uh, it was it was really disappointing that they un they uncover the Batmobile and then we don't get a scene with it. Like sure. that is the coolest yeah. Batmobile in the history of Batmobiles. I needed a scene with the Batmobile, but apparently the assembly cut of this movie was four hours long, and apparently Andy Machetti or uh, Machetti, whatever his name is. He has said that there's a whole bunch of scenes that he really, really liked, and he's going to try to put them all on like a Blu-ray release or something. So there, there's probably going to be more scenes with Michael Keaton, with everybody, I guess, in there, mm. um, you know, and uh, so that'll be pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, seeing Michael Keaton back, you know, the, the real question is, can he still do this? And I think he definitively answered with a home run slam dunk. Yeah, he, he still got it. He can still do this. So it was awesome to see him on screen at every yeah. given moment. You know, the scene where he's where he's punching bad dudes in the, in the Russian prison or whatever. And obviously it's a stunt double or whatever, but he's moving fast and it's awesome. It's like, yeah, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted to see. So he was, I, look, I've long maintained, I've said it on this show for years and years. There's not a single movie in existence that isn't better. If you put Batman in it, whether it's Schindler's list or 12 years a slave or the Danish girl, I mean, any movie you can possibly think of is better if you put Batman in it. And so obviously whoever wrote this flash movie, uh, they got my note and they, you know, they, they decided to put multiple Batman in it and look, it's a better movie because of the fact that, Bat that Batman's in it. So I think we can all agree. Ironically, the only exception to that is Batman v Superman. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, I do want to touch base real quickly cause we, we almost touched on it and then we moved on to a different subject, but did you guys get a kick out of any, when the world start colliding and you know, the other berries trying to save everything and the world start collapsing in on each other. Did you guys enjoy some of the, I mean, just to recap, like some of the cameos you saw is the George Reeves Superman from the 1940s. You saw Adam West. Um, as Batman from the 60s TV show, you saw uh, Christopher Reeve and then that blonde actress who played Supergirl in some of those movies. I forgot what her name was. Apologies to uh, her fans. Um, and then Helen you got Slater. <laughs> who was it? Helen Slater. Helen Slater. Yes. Apologies to the Slater estate. Um, and then we got Nicolas Cage as Superman, which I thought was kind of a fun uh, fighting a giant spider, no less, um, which was kind of a fun inside joke. If you if yep. you. There's a documentary called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? And it's a documentary about the making of this movie. But in it, Kevin Smith tells the story about how he was going to write that movie. And the producer of the movie really wanted Superman to fight a giant spider, even though it made zero sense. Um, so that's kind of a little inside nod to that. What else? There were some other cameos, and I feel like I'm forgetting them now off the top of my head. What? Who Who else showed up there? It all went aboard of me once I got that Momoa at the end, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the ones I recognized. I felt like the Nick Cage one was where the fan service went too far for me as a adjacent 
fan. Not a, I got the reference. The CGI was rough, so that that probably didn't help. I say for the fortieth time in this episode, um, but that was where I was like, "All right, okay," and was feeling. And the, I've said this now for me. Gosh, at least twenty episodes in a row, um, and even more so here. And I say it about every movie, and now, but this one really hurt. Where the heck? Was Dean Kane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, waiting for the call for God's Not Dead Four. Yeah, something tells me I know why Dean Kane was not invited yeah, back. Sorbo's, Sorbo's asking a little too much. Do you remember that early uh, John Mulaney joke about him on Law and Order, yes. where he played the murderer, or you know he's in the lineup yes. and he's the only I famous. Bet it's Dean Kane. <laughs> But he goes, I always wish the actors, whatever, would just go, is that? Because he's playing whatever murderer in New York City. He's like, just halfway through, she's like, is that Dean Kane? <laughs> like, he's himself. <laughs> ah, it's Dean Kane. Cool. In my police lineup. Awesome. All right. No, that was cool. I thought it was, I you know, it's fun. It was a, a blur of things, kind of hyper. That's the point of these movies, I would imagine, is that kind of hyper imagery with the Flash. So that's fine. A lot to wash over pretty quickly. Kind of silly, but, you know, pulpy and fun, and, and that's fine. It, like, could have leaned into that even more or less, and it would have worked maybe better. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, mm. but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, I get it. I thought it was, I thought it was fun time. And, like, again, four, to Brian's point, four years ago, probably more exciting than when we've been multiverse to, to death. When we just For got... Sure. Yeah. You know, Toby and Garfield last year. It it just seems derivative, which it's probably not, but it just, you know, mm-hmm. the at sure. the mercy of uh, of uh, release dates, unfortunately, it just kind of like doesn't pull out. It's not as surprising as it could have been. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It feels like it's hitting the same notes, but it's hard to hold that against the movie. No. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't like work in the moment as well, because now it's like everything's off. And then you start putting AI and. You know, all this face doubling technology and you're like, all right, we're just going to get everything now. That's yeah. going to be everyone's move that they have <laughs> the IP to something. So uh, let me ask you a question. Well, just Oscar real quick. Schindler's in uh, Spider-Man 4? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you a quick question because, I mean, the rumor's gotten out there that, uh, that, that Michael Keaton filmed some scenes for Aquaman. He filmed like a glorified cameo for Aquaman. Then that got cut. Then Ben Affleck literally got busted like by a Warner Brothers tour, like walking around with Jason Momoa filming a cut. So and now like apparently if the rumors are to be believed, like Warner Brothers is cutting and cutting and recutting Aquaman again. Do we think that they're just gonna replace that cameo? Do we think that they're gonna get George Clooney back in a suit? And and hopefully a, a nipple suit. Because I think that would be a nice touch. Yeah, but only if the nipples are kind of like Saggier now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is sixty. Yeah. And look, I'm not. I'm not joking. Like, like in all sincerity, like Clooney's awesome. He like the thing that people don't understand is like in the '90s, George Clooney was Bruce Wayne. Like literally, he was like the most like billionaire playboy. You know, he was. I've always maintained this. I thought he was a pretty good Bruce Wayne. That movie's just off. I mean, it's yeah. just an atrocious script. There's a many. He gets way too much crap for that. I mean, he wasn't a great Batman. Because he's one of those people that really seemed fifty, even when he was thirty-three. Yeah. Um, but I thought he was a 
awesome Bruce Wayne. It's just he, the lines he was given to say were were absurd. And the suit was ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, obviously, we. I mean, you've seen Syriana. We've seen Michael Clayton. Like, George Clooney's an incredible actor. You think if we gave him a real deal, serious Batman moment that he couldn't uh, handle that? Like, of course not. He is, would is crush that, it. Yeah, he'd be good. But like, he also doesn't need money. That's no. what you have working against that idea. <laughs> I think right? it's just not give that, him not another swing at that. I mean, he's got the thing about him. He and Affleck, they've got tender bar too. So, <laughs> you know, can they work that in? He does have a movie directed this year. Some, that's coming out later. Oh, what? Who's financing year. these at this point? I think maybe he is. It's, oh yeah, okay, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. didn't you just say he had more money? Yeah, than that's that. true. Yeah. I financed it when I bought Casamigos three hours ago. Okay, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That Nespresso money is going straight into <laughs> yeah. the sucker. Yeah. The man lives on Lake Cuomo. He's doing fine. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Should we grade yeah. this bad boy out? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I will go first because I feel like you guys will be the most disparate in your mm-hmm. grades. I'm going to give this a C minus, which is, I think, the highest I've given a DC movie <laughs> in a while. <laughs> um, Brian, what about you? Um, Keaton's great. I I do think that there's a story in here that's not terrible, and that's not always the case by any means um, with with these movies. And I I give it I will give it a sl- just a little bit of slack of just like it's yeah some of these are self inflicted wounds, but like it's not you you I have some sympathy as you mentioned Richard for the studio and for Gunn especially because this wasn't his deal at all, but like. The timing on this just really is unfortunate, and that's so I give it just a tiny bit of slack for that. Um, I cannot stand uh, this lead like at all, and and we didn't even get into how the original uh, Barry Allen stops being Sheldon Cooper as soon as he crosses over into the other and starts de- dealing with. Uh, frat boy sort of Barry Allen. I don't even know how to describe it. And that was, that also made me, I was like, why didn't we drop this years ago then? I don't, I don't get it. Um, I can't, I can't handle, I can't handle the character on, on Ezra Miller and the, somehow the second version of Barry Allen made the original version look great. So it's a, that's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough sell for me. Um, just put like anybody else in this. And I think that this is a passable movie for me, even while not totally selling me on it. But anyway, I'm going to go, I'll go with a D. This is probably the worst movie that we have reviewed this year for me. Um, but, uh, but it's not a, it's not the classic F minus 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 as some of these other DC movies are. So All right, Shane, it's a D. I am going to give this a, B plus and I'm going to give it the highest B plus humanly imagined, like, like 89.9, right? I, yeah. I can't give it an A cause there's too many strokes in the whoops. This should have been a little bit better column, but still look, I, I, the minute, you know, like Ben Affleck showed back up, I mean, anytime Batman was on screen, I was smiling and I was enjoying it. And is this a movie that I will watch again? Yeah, for sure. So I enjoyed it. I just wanted a little bit more from it. I feel like there were a few missteps here or there, but yeah, High, high B plus. Nice. Well, uh, that that was the flash. We've got more kind of of this DC verse coming with Aquaman. 
and then probably something else. And then, and then we get a refresh with uh, the gun DC universe. Shane, when does that start? When is that? Well, t- first technically, if I understand correctly, blue beetle is, it, he is considering the first okay. of, of the new. Now that I think we'll be like that- their Hulk kind of like, yeah, Iron Man, yeah. Ultimately, what that means or, to me happened. is that Blue Beetle has no cameos, has no major right. important references to anything else. It's just a self self contained movie, so they can go, yeah, cool, cool, cool. It, this is the first one of the new DC universe, or whatever. So, um, technically, Blue Beetle is the first one, and then I guess there's going to be a year long gap while James Gunn writes and directs Superman. Um, there's a couple of shows I think coming out. There's like an animated show. That's just like such a, a bad idea. Got so Warner brothers, man. Yeah. There's like an animated thing. And then I think also James Gunn is also working on, um, peacemaker season two. Yeah. And that's going to be a part of it as well. But, but I think people are essentially just waiting for Superman and that's yeah. going to be kind of the new. And then, uh, Andy, this, the same director who directed this movie is directing Batman brave and the bold. Uh, which is uh, the story of Batman and his son, Damien, uh, who was uh, was born from Talia al Ghul. They have a kid together, and he becomes mm-hmm. Robin. It's a, it's a cool potential for a story, because he was raised by a League of Assassins, so he's like this eight-year-old killing machine, and Batman's constantly like, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't, you know, he's like pulling him back. Uh, so I, I, obviously there's no casting on that, but... Uh, I would I wouldn't be surprised if Clooney shows up in that for you know a five minute thing and then Flash does his thing and changes it over once again and then we have a new Batman. But uh, I, I think officially everybody's thinking that James Gunn's Superman movie is going to be the start of the quote new DCU. Gotcha. Cool. We're looking forward to that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, shall we give them a week, weekly recommend, gents? Weekly recommend. All right. Brian, what you got for us this week? Uh, I'm going to recommend a show that I've recommended a couple times in the past, but I just finished my my rewatch. Uh, it's probably, I don't know, top three or five favorite show of mine. Uh, and I, I watched, so anyway, it's Justified, which you can watch on Hulu. There's a new, I watched it over the last couple months, kind of background show. Because I've watched it many times previously, but there's a new, uh, a new series, a new season, something like something coming mid July, called Justified. I think it's was it Primeval City or something like that. Um, it's it's great. It's one of my favorite shows. All Timothy Oliphant's great in the role. There's a lot of great little supporting characters. Walton Goggins is awesome. Just an awesome um, villain. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes not villain, sometimes villain, uh, back and forth. I don't know how many times I've rewatched the show, but it's it's many times. And uh, so I just got done watching that again, and I, I highly, if you're, I don't know, if you watch it when it's original run or um, if uh, you've never seen it before, now's the time to do it because this, uh, this new series is, like I said, it's coming out in July and looks like it's going to be pretty fun. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. 
Sounds good. Looking forward to that as well. Um, nice. What do you got, Richard? You mean to go? I can go. Man, I've been. This one is not for everyone. This is a niche, niche one. But I have been uh, inside baseball. You know, I've got a uh, eight month old in two days kiddo. Work all stuff, and then we were renovating another cabin. So I've not been big on the like culture front, other than things I've got to see for this uh, uh, here podcast. The only thing I've really been doing is listening to like soccer books and things like that. So there's a good one, not for everyone, but if you're into this kind of thing or just sort of history, sports history, all these. Uh, it's a new one that came out this year. It's The Three Lives of the Kaiser by Uli Hesse, and it's a uh, it's a biography of Franz Beckenbauer, who was like a great defender for Germany and for Bayern Munich and also for the New York Cosmos, that whole story in America and soccer and all that, but also, um, you know, just got everybody pregnant for like 25 <laughs> I think he's still getting people pregnant in his like late 70s. Like the most fertile man so of he, all he time. Was the, he was the OG Nick Cannon. Is yeah, he was. Yeah, he was Franz Becken Cannon, and uh, and he, uh, you know, then he got caught up later in life with a bunch of the stuff with like Qatar getting the World Cup, you know, some some maybe underhand dealing. So it's kind of a fun, um, but also the whole time everyone that knows him likes him and finds him to be a very personable and fun person. So uh, yeah, if you're interested in that kind of thing and maybe or just want to branch out a little bit, the Three Lives of the Kaiser. It's about his playing career. His coaching career, and then his sort of uh, football executive shady dealings with uh, you know sovereign wealth states uh, career. Um, the Three Lives of the Kaiser is very good, very well written, very fun. A uh, little biography there. Shane, what you got? Nice. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to do two recommends, one real short, and then one a little bit longer. Uh, the short one is as of a day or two ago, per a, a recording, season three of The Righteous Gemstones is back on HBO and Max. It has not lost a step. It's still hilariously funny. It's still a pretty good takedown of the evangelical megachurch movement, um, and it's really fun. So do check that out. It's It's great. Um, shameless, it's incredibly realistic. It's incredibly <laughs> real. If you grew up in the South, I can't you, watch it. I can't watch it. Like yeah, it it yeah. stresses me out. Yeah. Too it's much, incredible. Um, that show because is so it is good. correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause too much is, yeah, it's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, like when my wife was really into the handmaid's tale and I was like, no, nah, this is like one step from reality. Right now. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, this is not interesting to me at all. Yeah. Like, we're, we're one like Ron DeSantis kind of away from, uh, from the handmaid's tale. Um, <laughs> Uh, so the, the second recommend I have a bit of a shameless plug here. So, uh, actually Richard, you know, uh, Chase and I have started a podcast as of a couple months ago. There are um, no other podcasts. This is the only podcast. I know no other podcast. <laughs> we made that well, very clear. <laughs> we started a uh, podcast and we finally got into the game. It's called two drink maximum. It's an interview show where we interview guests that we find interesting over two drinks, two beverages. Um, and we're just gearing up for season two, which is going to start airing in July. So we've got some really interesting guests, some cool names, some people you've never heard of. Um, but they all, they're all interesting people who do interesting things or have interesting stories. We have a comic book writer coming on the show. We've got a person who found a dead body in his backyard. Um, we've got a pharmaceutical rep who was involved with the original COVID vaccine, like all sorts of interesting stuff coming up. So, uh, please check us out. Uh, if when you're done listening to every single episode of this show and subscribing to the Patreon for this show, then please check out our show to drink maximum. You can find it, you know, where podcasts are found. Awesome. That's awesome guys. I'm offended. I haven't been invited to be on, but I'll get more interesting. 
No, no, it's, like we, I, I, I truly, I want to have both you guys on, but we've just been doing kind of like an in-person thing because we've done a couple Zoom well, episodes fine. and the that's and the fine. I, you know, funky. if you guys want to fly me out, that's cool. That's what we'll do it. I'll, I'll send first one of my class. Out. first yeah. class, first class, <laughs> business yeah. class, business yeah. class is fine. Because um, normally I can upgrade from there, but it's fine. But uh, you know, on your dime. But sure, yeah, no, we'll be there. Done. <laughs> it's already 150 here, so Los Angeles sounds fabulous. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, it, like, this is going to sound silly. It's been warm here, which is like 78 degrees. I'm not throwing that in anybody's face. I'm just saying it feels warm. But no, yeah, I, I have sources in Texas that tell me it's a million and a half degrees. It's so I August feel already. I feel today, it for you guys. My AC went out tonight, like a couple hours before we went on the air, which is fun in Texas. And I was like, it's not even that, like, it is hot. It is. It's unbearably hot. But I was like, at temperature wise, I look, it's like 96 feels like 111. Yeah. I was like, what the freak are we doing right now? <laughs> There's a, there was a line in the Ted Lasso finale uh, where he says, I've learned that air conditioning is not a right. It's a privilege. That's the most Kansas BS thing I've ever heard. Come <laughs> spend 10 minutes in Texas. I will tell you yeah. that, that air conditioning is a yeah, fundamental I mean, human right. There's no, <laughs> come on now. So no, definitely. Yeah. I'm sorry, Brian. Well, sorry good to luck that. to both of you guys. Hopefully your air conditioners are, are up in working order and you guys don't melt over there. Cause yeah, yeah oof, come, you can hot. come over here, Brian. You can come, yeah, you can good. come, uh, you can live in my shed. <laughs> All right. That's, this that was sounded fun. like the best serial killer shit I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, but this was fun, Jane. Always good talking, uh, to kill you with you. And uh, I think that's how you say it. And, uh, and Brian, it's always fun watching you have slow mental breakdowns at these. So um, <laughs> this stupid the movie. I'm gonna be out next week because I have to go to camp. And man, could it, can we not just push this? One Brian was so one? great, Shane. Like after the episode last week, I just, he goes, "Hey, so uh, next week, like we could do the Flash or Elementals, and then do the Flash the week after. I am out the week after, but like if you want to do the Flash the week after, I was like I see what you're doing." I'm the ultimate hustler here, baby. (laughs) I see right through your thin excuse of (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, gentlemen, it's a pleasure as always. Looking forward to the next time we get to all congregate. Make sure you follow us uh, at Mad About Movies uh, Podcast.com or the Mad About Movies Twitter handle or the aforementioned Mad About Movies podcast discord which you can find at about movies podcast slash vip always a pleasure being with both of you again uh looking forward and all that good stuff talk soon and we'll see the rest of you at the cinema goodbye hey baby i hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs and maybe i seem a bit confused yeah maybe but i got you pegs but I don't know what to do with those tossed down and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Just scrambled eggs.